I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Thursday, February 23rd, 2023, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, Jay, so this is a fact of the day for any American Express cardholders out there. So they're going to charge $50 as a cost of entry for adult guests of airport lounges. That's what Amex is now charging. Now that's up $0 prior to the new policy, which also asks kids to pony up $30 American. So Jay, are you a lounge visitor? Is this going to affect you? Well, not anymore. I've always been curious. I've always been lounge curious. I know this is going to sound weird. I also kind of like airport food courts. I like being at the airport early. I am an outlier in this case. Are you a lounge guy? You know, when given the opportunity to lounge, Jay, I'm not going to say no. That's for sure. I actually went to the Amex Lounge in Mexico City recently. And what I didn't like is that my particular card required me to pay for food. That was a real downer because I thought the whole point of it was the free food. But yeah, I like lounges. Like the idea of lounges, $50 for a guest though. That's a lot. I definitely wouldn't pay that plus food. And so I don't know. I just feel like these lounges are not like they used to be. At least the ones that we go to or can go to. I think if you go to like the really exclusive ones, they get a lot better. And nobody knows how much that costs because we have no idea where they are. It's like behind some hidden door at the airport. Yeah. If you have to ask, you can't afford it. That's probably right. We wouldn't be talking about it on the podcast. Brett, aside from lounges that we can or can't or don't want to enter, what do we have for peak costs today? For our first story, newcomers are being underserved. For our second story, China's foreign minister visits Russia. And for our last story, a government agency decides not to use TikTok. For our first story, as Canada opens its arms wider than Mr. Fantastic to address labor shortages, a new RBC report delves into how newcomers are being underserved by the current system. Brett, what are RBC's findings? So let's set the stage. Canada plans to bring 1.5 million newcomers aboard over the next three years, over 50% of whom will be economic immigrants, but they will face an uphill battle to reach their full potential. Despite the average immigrant being younger and more educated than the general population, a higher percentage end up working in roles below low their skill levels. Now, immigrants with degrees in medicine, dentistry, veterinary medicine, and optometry are six times more likely to work in jobs unrelated to their actual training. And in 2011, the top job for permanent residents who came through Canada's ITA program, which grants express entry for highly desirable people, was food services supervisor. And it's happening because Canada's recertification processes for highly skilled jobs are long and arduous as foreign trained but Canadian born med students can attest, meaning people perfectly capable of treating your cat or filling your cavity for that matter have to wait essentially years to do so. Now, these professions are the same ones in Canada currently dealing with shortages. For Canada's immigrant job push to succeed and for the job force to become, quote unquote, not only larger but more productive, foreign credentials need better recognition. Yes, but while ensuring immigrant doctors actually get to work as doctors is critical, these new professionals will still need places to live and to shop. So it's too bad the construction and services sectors are also contending with hundreds of thousands of job vacancies. By prioritizing high educated workers, Canada doesn't have a pathway to bring in people who want to fill blue-collar and hospitality positions, meaning vacancies will likely remain high in the long term. For our second story, as the invasion of Ukraine heads into the one-year mark, China is now making new overtures to Russia. Here's what's driving the news. China's top diplomat, Wang Yi, became the highest-ranking official to visit Russia since the invasion began, meeting with President Vladimir Putin and other top officials to tell them that China is committed to strengthening political and economic ties. Now, after the meeting, Putin said the two countries would reach, quote-unquote, new milestones in areas like bilateral trade and would work together to oppose Western-dominated global leadership. Putin also announced 
announced that Chinese President Xi Jinping would visit Russia in the coming month, their second meeting since the invasion began. This comes just days after Joe Biden made surprise appearances in Ukraine, where he met Vladimir Zelensky, and Poland, where he pledged Russia would never defeat Ukraine. It matters because though China claims to have a neutral stance on the invasion, it has economically supported Russia through Western sanctions, i.e. buying record quantities of oil and gas. An expansion of economic cooperation means Russia can afford to continue its war efforts and drag out the fighting at the expense of the global economy. Plus, U.S. intelligence is also concerned that China could soon supply arms to Russia. Though China denied the claim, the two are commencing new joint military exercises. Now, to zoom out a little bit, look. One year in, Russia still controls about one-fifth of Ukraine and continues to roll up major offensives. With both sides dug in and peace negotiations seemingly off the table for now, expect the fighting to continue for the foreseeable future. And for our third story, which may seem unrelated, but I'm not sure that it is, a federal agency has very quietly here in Canada decided that governments shouldn't be using TikTok. That's right, Chase. So Canada's consulate general in New York deleted its TikTok account earlier this month after its government agency, the Treasury Board Secretariat, decided that TikTok is not on its list of quote-unquote approved social media platforms for use by the government of Canada. You're probably wondering what a consulate general even posts on TikTok, to which the answer is things like videos celebrating Canada Day, Canadian inventions, and a prompt asking viewers to define hashtag Canadian culture, none of which went viral, actually. So don't worry that much about it. Surprise, surprise. Some national security experts are surprised that a diplomatic agency was using TikTok in the first place, given the kind of sensitive information involved in their work. Now, quote unquote, from a national security analyst, I'm bothered by the fact that they had an account. But I'm bothered too, to be quite honest, rather than my 13-year-old daughter also has an account, but that's a different story. There have been concerns about the app posing a cybersecurity threat, given its alleged ties to the Chinese government. This month, House of Commons Ethics Committee voted to open an investigation to TikTok's data harvesting and the possibility it should sensitive information with foreign entities. Conservative foreign affairs critic Michael Chong has called on the government to quote-unquote take this threat much more seriously than they have. Earlier this year, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said Canada's internet spy agency was watching TikTok quote-unquote very carefully. And it matters because while Canadian regulators have been quiet about TikTok, at least relative to the mounting concerns expressed by their U.S. equivalents in recent months, deleting a government TikTok account can be seen as the first small step toward reining it in. In the U.S., TikTok has been banned from the Army and most federal government agencies as well. Now to zoom out. As the war in Ukraine has worsened, tensions between Canada's number one ally and a Russia-friendly China calls for a national TikTok ban in America have been getting even louder. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. You got a second one out, follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett. And thank you, Peak Pals, except maybe the ones that are all over TikTok. Just kidding. Continue to follow us too on the Fluth Podcast. Have a good day, Brett. When you give me shock waves.